Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. You look nervous. I'm in a glass case of emotion! Slowly let go of me, I think you're brutal my neck me. That is why the warriors have come! I'll be back to have vengeance! Throw me a freaking bone here! Martini, shaken, not stirred. The force will be with you always. Avengers, assemble in the red corner. Standing six foot two inches tall, weighing in at 245 pounds. Is the Eclectic Collective. Facebook family. It's a beautiful Saturday morning coming to you live this morning for another roundtable discussion. It is a wonderful day. It is SEC opening day for us. Woohoo! Yay! And uh, Go we're, balls. we're all excited Go for balls. that. And we've got a great conversation. We've got a great conversation to have today. With that, I'm going to lead it off to Mr. Matt. Yeah, thanks guys for uh, joining us. <clears throat> we are the Eclectic Collective. Uh, today, we wanted to sit around and talk about one of our favorite directors, the highs and lows of Steven Spielberg. Now, I'm honestly, before we get into this, I, I'm honestly going to be a little biased because Steven Spielberg is my hero. <laughs> uh, I, I know that some, some people in here have other favorite directors, but personally, Steven Spielberg is probably my most favorite director. But uh, Steven Spielberg has produced 196 movies directed 60 he has written 24 and he's actually acted in <laughs> movies how many so acted in 16. how many oh, okay he's acted in 16 movies so steven spielberg is a very well-rounded uh hollywood person uh if you want to say and hollywood. we really hollywood hollywood and we really wanted to uh dedicate uh a, you know a discussion to him um, and, you know, everybody's got those movies that, you know, they just didn't fly as well as some of their other ones that really stand out, especially with Steven Spielberg, who is at this day and age a pop icon yep. for movies. Yep. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Let's talk about some of our let's go ahead and talk about our favorite. Let, let's let's live the happy moments of Steven Spielberg <laughs> before we get to the lows. Because uh, honestly, I don't have a lot, but I know this group has some. Uh, let's talk about some of our favorite. Uh, I- I'm going to go straight to Josh, man, because uh, Josh is the movie guru, guru in this group. So, Josh, what, what's your take and feel for Steven Spielberg over the ages here? Um, honestly, if I had to sum it up in like one or two sentences, I consider him a master director. He's uh, one of the big reasons why movies are the way they are now. Him and George Lucas basically are the main people to start one of the what we consider blockbusters today with movies like Jaws, with movies like Indiana Jones and, you know, stuff like that. But 
Uh, it's more than that. He, I like him because not only does he make these big budget box office movies, but he's a very crafty artist as well. And he's shown that with, through so many movies, especially when you think of movies like his best picture, Schindler's List, which will just rip your heart right out of your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, what, in my opinion, one of the biggest snubs he's ever had was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. I love Shakespeare in Love. I love that movie. I thought it was very well directed. But when it comes to that versus Saving Private Ryan, I don't think there's even a comparison. But anyway, but he's just a good artist and, and in general, just a wonderful storyteller. So, I mean, I, I, the sky's the limit on what I could talk about on that. So you might want to cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Micah. Well, how about you, man? Uh, I mean, he's a genius. My favorite is Jurassic Park, by hands down. Jurassic Park is one. my favorite Spielberg film. Uh, I've seen it. It's the movie I've seen most in the theater. I've seen it 17 times in the movie theater. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you what? include the 3D version. <clears throat> that came out in the theater. Um, he is, um, like Josh said, he's one that changed <clears throat> cinema. You know, he was a help. He was a founder of Skywalker Ranch, which helped build ILM, which gave us, you know, <clears throat> the effects like in the movie Abyss and in Terminator 2. And, you know, he, he's the first to use a, a CG dinosaur instead of using Stan Winston's... Um, you know, animatronics or clay or um, what is it? Not claymation. Stop motion. Um, I mean, he he's an industry changer. How about you, Ryan? I already know your favorite, but what, what's your take on uh, Steven Did Spielberg? Did Josh say what his favorite was? Oh, God. I don't know if I could. <laughs> Come back question, to me on that, that one. That was the question, Josh. Yeah, what was I, your what's your favorite? What's your favorite? Dear <laughs> God. A favorite in how you feel like he's a you know affected in this popular culture over the you know over the years. Micah, you said it really well. You know the effects he's had on the industry, and you know Josh on the direction. Uh, you know, so I don't he, know if I could pick uh, a number one with him. He's got he's just a good storyteller and <laughs> good to hear this. that. You got to pick one right now. Pick it. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I just threw one out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I have to really think about that. Let me get back to you on that one. All right. How about you, Ron? We all, I think we yeah, all know. Your favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favorite, of course, is always going to be Jaws. Um, but with Spielberg, for me, it was more of a childhood nostalgia. Like a lot of, you know, my childhood favorite movies is from Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older and like, you know, teen years and everything still loved, you know, a lot of his movies. I think that he did change the industry. I think that if it wasn't for Spielberg, I don't think that, uh, the movie industry would be exactly where it is today when it comes to certain movies. That's my take on Spielberg. But yeah, Jaws forever. Jaws forever. How about you, Jim? So, um, I believe my favorite is going to be Raiders of Lost Ark. Um, uh, I, Godly, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that movie. Um, I love the Indiana Jones trilogy. That's right. I said trilogy. That's right. Yeah, I said, I said trilogy. Um, but um, uh, Jurassic Park is a close second. But I have to, I have to give uh, a couple of honorable mentions for a couple different reasons. Goonies uh, is one. It, it's one that he uh, produced and. Um, uh, 
that movie just holds so much, uh, so many memories for me. And um, uh, one movie that stands out with with a lot of emotion and a lot of memories is E.T. Um, E.T. for me... um, I don't know. It was it was the very first when when you when I go back and think about my life growing up and uh, technology advancing and how we consume entertainment and everything. The very first VCR we had was a Betamax, and the very first movie we bought was ET on Betamax tape. And um, I'll remember that day until I die, um, or until you know whatever until whatever. But um, that movie um, holds a, a special place in my heart, and it always will. It's one of the reasons why I was so happy to get to go to Universal last year and ride the ET ride. You know, several times. I think we wrote. I think I personally wrote it this last year, probably six, seven, eight times. Yeah, same here. <laughs> just, just because. I, I mean, I know they extended its operation because of what's going on in the world, but um, at, at some point, it is going to be closed and torn down so that and that makes me sad but um um i also uh i just i don't know i just keep every time i think of spielberg i go directly to et a lot it is with it brian well spielberg just has a way to touch on that journey there's just such a good journey in all of his movies but you can't really there's just so many good ones. There's Hook, which hadn't been mentioned yet. Uh, Shannon I mean, Pierce. I, Shannon Pierce just commented she loved Hook. Oh, okay. Well, there's Hook, um, but like Hook? you said, E.T. I mean, that's just the one that you think of every time. And Jaws. Jaws is there too, but Goonies. I think it's going to probably be my favorite. I love Goonies. Goonies? Love Goonies, man. Yeah. I mean, Sloth love chunk. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's very hard to get past Goonies. And I, I tell you what, it the reason I love Spielberg is if you look from the beginning of his career to now, he is always trying to outdo himself. It's like it's not even like he's trying to compete with other directors because he stands alone in the stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. He is always trying, like, if you look at the past, I, I'm just, I'm just going to, let, let's start, I'm my all-time favorite Spielberg, I'm going to go against the grain. And I know where it's you're going. going to be his latest. Yep, I knew you were going there. Is Ready Player One. Yeah. And this is why. This is why. Before Ready Player One, it was Close Encounters. Close Encounters was yeah. has always been, like, my one. all-time favorite. And then ready to Never seen it. I, 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 it's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> the Lord says don't kill him. Ready Player One is my favorite. Is It is almost touching back on his career as a director because he gets to make a movie about the, in, like, about the pop culture... Uh, universe that he has helped to create and he gets to put it all in one movie yeah and or be a part of because he is like he is just a small piece in that puzzle but he gets to make a movie about it that he has been around it but if you start like all right if you start with i'm just gonna start at jaws because jaws came out in 75 
And, you know, that was that was before my time. I got to see it in the 80s when I was like a little more, you know, closer to the 90s when I was a little more grown up. But if you look at Jaws, he directly goes into uh, Close Encounters in <clears throat> 1991. Then uh, what is it? Uh, what comes out in 41? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm hmm. And then, like, he just keeps going, and they just keep getting better. And then when it gets closer to the 90s, it's like he's starting, or mid-90s, it's like he's starting to branch off. So, like, and do different things. Like, different stories. Like, more, you know, like, real stories. Like, after, like, if you, like, if you go through and look at his career and just see, like, after Last Crusade, then you go into Hook and Jurassic Park, but then it's like, all right. Now I'm going to expand. I'm going to do something that's totally off the wall that my fans are not going to expect. And then he does Schindler's List and shows how complete he is of a director. Because if you look at everything before Schindler's List, it's all, like Brian said, it's all journey. It's all journey, fun, adventure. It's storytelling. And now it's, we need to tell a story that's, you know, retell a story that's already out there. We need to bring awareness. And now he's shown how complete of a director he is. Well, and, and well, he did do the color purple in 1985. See, yeah, color purple. Yeah, you, you're right. Color purple. That was, you know, but color purple, if you think about it, man, was not as widely accepted because of what it was. You know, like, you know, a lot of people, I, I know several people, that had never even heard of Color Purple. Really? You know, because, yeah, you know like... Wow. That's it's, a travesty. how much one stands out over the other. I've seen Color Purple. And let it. me tell you, that, that's another heartbreaking... That's Whoopi Goldberg's... <laughs> like, if we want to have a thing about Whoopi Goldberg, I would say that is, like, her all-time yeah. like, standout film. Um... And then you do Schindler's List. I don't know. It was like, but see, when he did Color Purple, he probably was still growing as a director. You know, like he was still like, oh, Steven Spielberg. This is this is the guy who did, you know, Raiders. He did Jaws. He did mm -hmm. this. He did mm -hmm. Color Purple. And, you know, when Color Purple came out, man, that's a very controversial film. And they yeah. were like, you know, this is not Steven Spielberg. But that's that that's that's at the core of what I respect about Steven is he was a risk taker. He was not afraid to take chances, both yeah. in, both in advancing the way movies are written, movies are made, and then about the content itself. He was yeah. not afraid to take a risk, and that's what I truly respect about him. And that you know, later on when we talk about his flops. I, I am not going to dog the man. I mean, everybody out there who produces and makes movies is going to have, they're going to, not everyone's going to win. But I think Steven overall is, you know, by far won way more than he's lost. Um, oh, I think, I mean, I think we owe a lot to Steven for advancing uh, what movies are today. Um, but that, just the fact that the, the way that he was such a risk taker in every element of movie making is why I have so much respect for him. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Josh can't talk anymore because he muted himself. I did himself. not do that, by the way. 
Because <laughs> yeah. you'll forget. Um, you hear me now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if you guys know or not, but he did Schindler's List and Jurassic Park together. That's that, what Matt and I were talking about this week. Wow. That's, 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 yeah, that's crazy. That is amazing. And he took one big, like, epic film and then a groundbreaking um, CG film and was doing them back to back. To back. So he'd be flying from one studio to the other studio while watching I, footage on a plane. I have a theory of why he did that, but I want to hear why, what Josh was going to say. Oh, I was just going to basically echo what Jim was saying. Uh, the biggest thing I've always respected <laughs> about Spielberg was, like he said, he took chances where a lot of people get stuck, especially in a business uh, model version of Hollywood, where they try to make these movies and they get really good at something and they pretty much stick with that type of filmmaking for a while. And that's what they're known for. Mm -hmm. He's pioneered so much by taking creative risks that a lot of people either uh, can't do because they're hamstrung into what it is they're already doing but um, or you know other elements but he actually has broken into the system and made the system what it is now so he can take those creative risks and pave the way for future artists and stuff and that's why yeah. you see a lot of other up-and-coming directors using a lot of his techniques and trying to make it their own and turn it in you know have their own little uh, spin on it and everything yeah. but yeah I, I completely echo what jim said his creativity and i think in the grand scheme of things he's even though he's a producer and even though he's a director that's making movies that, of course, make a lot of money sometimes, at the core, he's a storyteller. And he's right. very good at that. And that echoes what Brian was saying about him being, uh, you know, the journeys and his stories. You can tell he's done a lot of research and, uh, you know, grew up on stories and how to tell stories and what order to tell stories. Um, I always like to reference Joseph Campbell's The uh hero's journey you know he has read that book cover to cover and probably has mm -hmm. notes tabs galore all over that you know oh, yeah. they, another movie of course you know i do love jurassic park that would be my second but another one that he really like that i think doesn't get mentioned often because sometimes i forget that he directed it but uh catch me if you can I uh, love that movie tom hanks that. leonardo dicaprio man that is and a fantastic right movie. There, is probably what made me respect Leonardo DiCaprio more as an actor because yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. he was just coming out of the Titanic, the Man in the Iron Mask. You know, he was getting typecast for Titanic. And then what did he do? Like, he was probably the hottest thing back then. And then he kind of shifted out of those kind of movies. And then Spielberg, I think, is what really helped him to what he is today. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but well, I love it. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can is a wonderful film, and uh, if you remember before that, Leonardo DiCaprio took he took a few years off there for a while. I think I, mean, I, I can't speak for him, but he might have, like you were saying, getting burned out on those typecasting. But if you remember, the year it was uh, Catch Me If You Can was released was also around the same time that Gangs of New York came out. So Leonardo DiCaprio was working with two masters right there at the same time with. Spielberg and Scorsese. I mean, that was his comeback. That was that's what legitimized Leonardo DiCaprio as an Oscar contender going forward and picking those roles. Just look at the actors that he's really like helped in his movies. I mean, he just yeah. Well, Sorry, man. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I mean, sometimes you know, in filmmaking, sometimes it's the director. You have so an actor has to have the talent at their core, but sometimes it takes a really good director. To pull yep. that talent out and let the world see it for what it is. I got, I got 
perfect example for that, for what you just said, Jim. Okay. And this might be wildly unpopular, but the movie The Terminal. Okay. He took a simple simple situation. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Of an immigrant who can't leave the airport because of security check. Mm Mm-hmm. And he made an entire journey out of that. One location. Yeah. yeah. One location, one actor interacting with other people in the airport. And he yeah. made it an incredible film. Such a simple situation. Get 66. And <laughs> you haven't seen The Terminal? Really? That's one of those movies. As many movies as I watch in my life, it's one of those movies that kind of slip through the crack, and I need to go back because everyone tells Damn. me it's such a good movie. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Um, uh, Shame. Micah, until Shame. you see Close Encounters of the Third Shame. Time, Micah, you have nothing Shame. you can say. Oh, Micah gets the oh, shame bill. Yeah. He gets the shame bill for Close Encounters. But, I mean, I won't give details about the terminal, but, I mean, it's a simple situation. It's just that terminal. He's got a He's got a boundary he can't leave. Within the airport, and yeah, and it's like that—that's that's the story. But with him and Tom Hanks, which Golden Boy of acting, working together makes this film that like he can take something as simple as this and make it such a good movie. And this just shows director making the actor bigger than life to make the movie way better than the situation that is given. So I, I, that right there for that movie, I mean, terminals by far, not his greatest movie. Right. Uh, but that yeah. right there shows how good of a director can make the actor to make the movie bigger than life. But at the same time as uh, catch me if you can. And uh, the terminals around that same period, minority report came out. And Minority Report is, you know, with Tom Cruise. That's one of my, be- that's one of my favorite action movies to go back and rewatch. Oh yeah, I love mm. that movie. Oh yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest, gotta be honest. You don't like it? That was not my one of my favorites, but I like it. I go back and watch it all the time. Half of it. It was. I think Minority Report was too complicated. See, like, I, it was. See, I good. love those movies that make you really. Too. Think. I mean, it's like. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. When when I'm thinking, okay, when I'm thinking Tom Cruise, I'm not thinking complicated. This is why, well, like Ryan, what was that movie we went and saw with Tom? I was Cruise? just thinking that movie. I'm not <laughs> Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. <clears throat> oh, I didn't. Well, I, I didn't care for that. Yeah, I didn't neither. care for that. Um, okay, then I'll be the minority on that one. I thought that movie was right. so let's, well. Let's put not go together. that. We're gonna have a Tom Cruise episode. Let's not go down that, yeah. that rabbit hole. <laughs> when I think Tom Cruise, I'm trying not to get all complicated. Tom Cruise should be jumping off of buildings, flying planes. No, shooting. hold on. No, no. We'll have well, a Tom Cruise like, episode right. and we'll argue that. Oh, all right, Tom Cruise off. Actually, this is not a Tom Cruise comment. This is an artistic comment. What you just said is exactly what I was saying about directors. Actors who get stuck in those specific roles, jumping off buildings and stuff, some of them at some point wake up and say, you know what? I've made my money. I want to be an artist. I want to be more than that. So he goes and makes movies that are complicated and hard to understand. See, I I loved Vanilla Sky. But his movie, I know this is, I know we're getting off Tom Cruise, but Magnolia was one of those ones that I was like, I don't understand anything that's going on. But his acting was phenomenal in that movie. Okay. You know, so I can't, I can't get on board with that. Like, I'll bring, I'll bring it back to Steve Spielberg. 
I love Tom Cruise and War of the Worlds. I loved that War of the Worlds. I love the original, so I was a little worried that this War of the Worlds was going to be like, you know, too over the top mm-hmm. because the other one was so made so long ago. But I also had faith in it because it was Steven Spielberg. So, but the way he took, he made it completely different than the original. Like, he made it a focus on this guy's journey. He went back to the journey mm-hmm. of this guy and survival of this instead of, then, like in the original, them trying to figure out how to end, you know, the aliens, um, which, you know, they never did. It just ended up bio- a biology one. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, that was like an 80-year-old movie. So, you know, get get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt, what was that... Um... Spielberg, I was thinking, no, I just, there it is. Um, probably my least favorite of his, and it, I didn't hate it, but it just was the post. I was not a fan of that movie. Oh, wow. I like See, and I, I like love post. I like post. I just, I don't know. Like, all, right. So, all right, so we're coming out of the box with ones we don't like, and I'm going to tell you right now. AI. A- Let's just make it a free throw. Garbage. AI. I never saw AI. Don't just don't. That, that, oh. You don't get the shame bell for that one. You just yeah. don't waste your time. Yeah, but you guys know I'm one of those guys. I have to see it for myself. So let me. I'll come back to you on that one because I need to see it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go against this one. I don't think it was his worst. I do. I, I think I it do. was. I, I I think it was. Lazy writing. But if you watch this movie, that is a beautiful movie. Yeah, like, good to fall he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He wrote, produced, and directed it. Directed it. Okay. I just, and I just, I, it's a big old turd, in my opinion. What makes I, it? I agree. I agree, Jim. What it's, makes it a turd? Y'all are just saying it's a turd. It, we need I, people. What about it is the turd? It was like Micah said. It was lazy writing. It was a terrible story. Yeah. It, it I, I almost fell asleep like five times when I first watched it. Um, he tried to make it was lazy acting. Yeah, he tried to make it way overcomplicated, and it shouldn't have been <laughs> that complicated. Uh, the, because of this type of story, I love those types of stories that make you think. But I don't. But this particular story didn't need it, and it made it boring. Um, the, yeah. a- the acting was terrible. Was the CGI was way overdone. <clears throat> um, it was done in parts that didn't need it. Um, I mean, just I mean, from from concept to execution, there are failures across the board on this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree with Jim. I don't think it has an across the board failure. I, I I would I will get on board with the writing. It could have had better writing. It could have been a little bit shorter. I think because I think it had a Pinocchio feel, but in a, oh, it was, it's exactly what it was. It was, but it was, it was just the I, I you know I can get on the writing, but it was a beautiful movie. The acting to me, I mean, when you have like Jude Law in a movie, like That's, I thought Jude I Law, thought that was, I thought that was Jude's worst movie. Lord, see, I I I, I don't. You got to go. I'm a Jude Law no, fan. Wasn't his. I don't think it was his worst, but when I when I think about that movie, I think about how beautiful that movie was, especially when you saw a lot of the robotics and he brought that, you know, that uh, Skywalker Ranch CGI into this movie. I think he like I think maybe the movie concentrated too much on the look of the movie and not the the uh, you know, 
this sounds like just like the the last Indiana Jones film. <laughs> you mean number three? No, number four. <laughs> they made a fourth one. Indiana Jones. What, what is this? What is this fourth Indiana Jones you speak of? Oh my God! What is this? I'm not Batman. What? Because I think y'all loved it. I think you loved it. No. Oh, no. I hated it in the theater. I, I turned to Mike and was like, what is this garbage? I lo- I thought I don't believe any of you. I think and I think from beginning until I- they brought aliens into oh. it, you were like <laughs> and no. then they brought aliens into it. Like, when the when the uh, theme music came on and everything, I was all like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna like, tell you right now. I'm gonna tell you right now. I hate Sheila LaBeouf. Yeah, well, yeah. I can't Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. What a, however you it's, say his stupid name. I can't movie, stand yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't stand him in some Okay, movies. let me explain this to you. I put him in the same category as Ben Affleck. Does that explain anything oh. to you? <laughs> really? This wow. is why... This, Jim, he's no Affleck, man. See, this is why Jim can't accept uh, Pattinson as Batman. Because you look at some of the goofball stuff they've done, but you don't look at the... Uh, good stuff like Shia LaBeouf is a huge independent <coughs> movie mm-hmm. and he's done some really amazing stuff just like Pattinson mm-hmm. so like he does some goofball stuff so you look at that goofball stuff and then you can't accept him in a in a role like Indiana Jones's son Here, no no I go into every movie every movie I've ever watched here's the thing I some of all fears one of my favorite movies of all time starring Ben Affleck I love the storyline. I hate his acting, though, but I love the story, and I pain through his acting in that movie because I love that movie. I go into every movie I watch with an open mind, hoping, hoping that these people (laughs) will prove me wrong one day, but I've walked out of every LaBeouf, every Affleck movie going, nope, not yet, not yet, not yet. You mean Eagle Eye didn't change your whole perspective on him? Are you kidding I mean, me? Hold. Really? Hold I, is his definitive. I think uh, we just found our next podcast argument. Uh, a whole show on that. Uh, <laughs> no, the world I mean, against Jim. Back to AI, it's just... Bring I, it, it on. Was, it, it was just not a good film. No. In my opinion. And I like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't care. I don't care what you guys say. Actually, it, it, and I'm, I'm fine with uh, that. I mean, I just, I'm, my opinion, know. I hated it. it, it it's terrible, with, but I'm actually with Micah. Uh, I thought it was good for what it was. It uh, is definitely my bad. least favorite of all yeah. of them. Um, but it was fun to watch. I had a, a lot of laughs. I was really into it. I think at the end, uh, the end of it in a way was a little off for me. But uh, yeah, it was an indie film. I think, I think my my biggest concern about it was not really the story itself. It was the how they tried to incorporate the special effects there at the end. That's not what Indiana yeah. Jones is really known for is that over the top special effects. It, it they, right. they use special effects in their previous <clears throat> movies. It's more gritty. It looks, you know, more tangible. Well, see, they were trying the to marry CGI and practical and it didn't work for that. Yeah. That, is- that, that is the only thing I don't like about the movie is like the part when he's swinging like Tarzan through the jungle <clears throat> With the oh, CGI there's monkeys, many, many parts I'm I like, like, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, that bothered me. And when they found the actual crystal skulls, that was fine. That was like something straight out of a you know Indiana Jones movie. But the whole thing at the end, where all of a sudden all the trees start spinning and something takes off and stuff, I was like, okay, that no, that, that lost me right there. It's spaceship, man. I, I get that, but 
that right just there, don't have that in the Indiana Jones movie. That see right no, there, I, like what Josh said. They, I get it. Indiana Jones is not sci-fi to me. Indiana Jones is more, yeah. you know, the archaeological. I, I agree with that. You know, like see, it's got I got some enjoyed, mysticism to it, but not <laughs> sci-fi. Yeah, see, and when I watched it, I had a blast until he found an alien skull. Yeah, then yeah. I was like, oh, no, you just did. To me, you did an Indiana Jones no-no. Because I read the Indiana Jones comic books. Mm-hmm. I still have the uh, the Marvel Age big comic book of, of um, uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, my mind went blank. <laughs> but uh, there, are, there are a lot of side stories. And to me, I know... I know people are excited, Harrison Ford doing a new Indiana Jones. I don't know if it's still going through, but I don't like old Indiana Jones. Mm-mm. Indiana Jones can be a James Bond character. You could keep you could take people. You could, pa- you could pass that mantle. You could, yeah. but you yeah. got. But it's got to be the right person because just Chris like Pratt. just just like I would be down for that. I would be he, down for Chris yeah, Pratt. I could see that. When they did that deep fake of him and Indiana Jones, I was like, I'm sold. Do this right now. Chris Pratt was... Boot, I'm going to tell, right right. tell you right now, Chris Pratt is an actor that won me over uh, later on. Uh, I did not like Chris Pratt in the beginning. Um, <laughs> but he was an actor that won me over with his, with his abilities, with his talent. Um, I really think that he is somebody who could be a very special actor. I mean, like he already is in my opinion, but, and he's done some yeah. big things, but I think, I, I don't, I think we're just getting started with Chris Pratt. That's just, that's another. My another sister thinks that the fourth Indiana Jones is garbage. I don't even know you anymore. Yes. <laughs> that's because it is. It is garbage. Matt, Shut up, Brian. I'm with but you. It's Mike. true. You need to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is out there. It has many, 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 many flaws. Uh, but it's still an Indiana Jones film. Ryan's, Ryan's trying to talk three times. Oh, I'm go ahead. curious, Matt. Out of all of Spielberg, would you recommend Lincoln or Amistad? Which one is your favorite out of those two? Oh, you can't do that to me, Lincoln. bro. Mine's Lincoln. Lincoln. Only, oh. only reason I ask, Dude. okay, so Matt and Josh, I know y'all too, but Matt, oh. like history buff and all that, I'm just what, curious on which what one makes me say. I got, I got, it. I got, go it. Go I got, it. I would say because of the state of the country right now, I would say Amistad. Amistad, okay, okay, because Amistad is probably was when I first saw Amistad, I tried to ignore it. Because that was too much truth. And, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm a white guy, I know white privilege is out there and everything, but that was something that really smacked me in the face. Amistad yeah. should be shown in classrooms. Yeah. It smacked me so hard in the face of the truth of... Absolutely. Uh, how, like, the, how, how weak the justice system is. <laughs> you know, how... Uh, the black community has been treated from Africa to this land. It's just like right there, that movie, like that movie, and it, it doesn't hold back. It has some stuff in that movie on boats that you're just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't handle this. This yeah. is too real. Yes. It was just like um, um, 12, 12 years, years of slave. slave. I yeah. was just thinking that. When I saw that movie, yeah, as a, you know, as a white guy looking at the truth of our country, it was so uncomfortable to watch, but man, but it's the I truth. Was, oh 
It's the, I mean, it's and the true. truth is difficult to digest sometimes. I, I agree with everything you say about Amistad, but between those two, I would probably go Lincoln. And the reason why I say that is because from an entertainment side of this, uh, speaking from the on the entertainment side, I don't know if it gets any better for my money than Daniel Day-Lewis. But that's, that's just me. <coughs> yeah, I, um, uh, the only reason I was asking that is because I know Matt's going to be happy about this. So what I'm excited about is Spielberg is going to be directing a Ulysses S. Grant movie. Yeah. And it's, and it's with uh, DiCaprio. And I think that's going to be mm. absolutely amazing. Ooh. I did not know that. So that's I did awesome. not know this. This is news oh, to man, me. I'm so excited about yeah. that. Yeah, we, here. we need to find I, a link to this somewhere and share it. I need to. I need more info now. Uh, I agree with everything that's been said about uh, Amasad and Lincoln. I would have to say, when you ask me a type of question like that, my mind immediately goes into two places: what's the better story and what's the better movie? When it came to Amistad, hands down, I think that was the better overall story. It was a story that needed to be told, and I loved, like you guys said, it did not hold back. But when it comes to the better overall film, the actual the way it was made, the acting, everything. I'm a hundred percent on board with Lincoln. That is one of if I had to choose one of my all-time favorites by Spielberg, it would definitely be Lincoln. I could pick up that movie and watch it anytime, anywhere. I've read the screenplay, it's back here on my shelf. Um, if you have never had a chance to read the screenplay, it's got a couple of things in there that's not even in the movie um that I feel like they should have added in, but it's just oh, phenomenal, phenomenal motion picture. I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna win Best Picture the year it won, but I think uh, I'm not mistaken. The year it was nominated, it lost to uh, Ben Affleck and Argo, which is a great, which is a great movie and very well directed. But I think that movie ended up winning because of the hype that was coming up with it. It got it got a lot of late hype. So I'm with you, John. That's another subject. That movie stressed me out, but that's another story on that one. Um, I was gonna ask also, like with Spielberg. How do y'all think West Side Story is going to be? Oh, my God, dude. Okay. I, I expect something fantastic. My expectations are high. My expectations are really, really high. I'll, I'll tell you this. Everyone here has seen the original, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Either on, on stage or on screen. Yeah. It's a very colorful, diverse movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expect that. You know, we already know the music, but I expect this to be a very colorful, very diverse, very backgroundish movie because it is. This is like if you if you just look at the the um, the gangs that are represented, these, these are not your you know regular gangs that we're familiar with in everyday. Right. You know, these are like uh, is it? I, I, forgive me, I, I I can't remember, but it's like. Hispanic or Puerto Rican or something like that, you know, South, you know, I, I can't remember, but these are like very diverse, very colorful, very, uh, you know, very uh, lively eth- ethnical. I, I might yeah. be saying the right word. That's what I was about to say. It better take culture. I want to see culture. I want to yeah. see the, the uh, culture of the movie. Like we got in the first movie, <clears throat> the musical is this a musical like i don't remember if they said it is a musical um i think i might i don't know if i'm wrong is this his first musical his first crack at a musical i Hold think on, it I might be it. i think it might be 
I don't see but, another musical on here. Um, I I I want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to see something that we haven't seen in the first one. The I want I want rich, heavy culture music. It, it, I'm with Jim. My bar is set really high on West Side Story because mm-hmm. I mean West Side Story is high. Like that that is one of your like if you think musicals. That's one thing you go to is West Side Story. Big time. West Side, West Side Story helped the world at the time that it came out. It's it's such a great musical. Yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant. I, I, and the only reason why is because we all know I love Spielberg. Spielberg is like it for me when it comes to directing. But I'm also a theater guy, and I have <laughs> such great respect for the older productions. And West Side Story, though it had a lot of elements to it. And I agree. We need to see a lot more culture in this new one. I'm hesitant because it's one of those movies and I hope I'm praying that I'm wrong. It's one of those movies that I don't, it's, there's just some movies that come out that I don't think you should touch. Like they've made it. That's what it is. It should be like that. I'm hoping like I'm Wizard wrong. Of Oz? Like wizard of Oz. You don't touch wizard of Oz. And I know they've tried to make movies around that, but you just don't do that. And I, I'm, I'm nervous about West Side Story. The only thing that gets me pumped about it is that it is Spielberg directing it and that Tony Kushner is doing the screenplay, who's the same screenplay writer for Lincoln. Um, but other than that, I, I'm just hesitant. And I'm, I'm really hoping I'm wrong, and I'm really hoping it exceeds all expectations because I love that story. It's a modern-day version of Romeo and Juliet, and it needs to be told correctly, like you guys said, with the correct culture in mind. And they need to hold true to that. And they need to use those type of actors and set designers as well. Here's not to steer away from this, these new movies uh, that are coming out. Cause I'm excited. I'm actually excited about West side story. I'm excited about, you know, a Ulysses S grant movie. Mm-hmm. I tell you one thing that really was like a magnet for me when it comes to Steven Spielberg movies. Now I have grown to respect and love Steven Spielberg as a director. But one thing that got me ever since I was little and first saw Close Encounters Mm -hmm. is how important music is to him and his movies. Yeah. Score. Uh, Score is huge for him. Yeah. I'm a big soundtrack score guy and it is very important to him that the music be just right for whatever he is doing. You can go all the way to Schindler's List and listen. And he, like, he, there's a whole documentary about Schindler's List, and Steven Spielberg has even mentioned how important the music was to certain scenes yeah. to really capture the moment. So ever since I heard that, and then I go back and I listen, like even Jurassic Park, Close Encounters, E.T., Ready Player One, uh, Amistad, uh, Lincoln, I have music in my playlist from almost every single one of his movies. So just knowing, because how important music is to me when it comes to movies, because John Williams is my musical hero. John Williams hasn't done all the uh, music for his movies, but a lot of them. But it it just really, like, pulls my heart how important that aspect is to him. You guys know the story of John Williams and Spielberg and Jaws? I don't know. Enlighten, oh, enlighten me. Is, it, is this the one? Is this the story where he brought something and Spielberg was like, "Is yeah. that it?" 
Yeah. <laughs> the the scene where it's like like Spielberg brought or uh, he brought that to Spielberg. Spielberg's like, is this a joke? This is <laughs> really this, this is what you got. And yeah. then he's like, put it with the film, and they turn the movie on, and he's like, oh my god, it captures the essence of the yep. shark. And then now you have Jaws. Wow. I think that's a. I think I, kind of going with what Matt was saying and what you're talking about is that I think it also the music works very well in a Spielberg movie in any uh, movie when you have such good collaboration between the director and the uh, the uh, conductor. Conductor. Thank you, God. I went blank there. Um, and that's when you know you've got true movie magic right there. And that's something that they have done for years. And almost everything they have ever done, you're seeing aspects of that in the newer uh, directing, like with, for example, the partnership of Christopher Nolan and uh, Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of good stuff together. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Music is so important in his movies. And it's good that he has someone he could probably just look at John Williams and say, all right, this is the movie. This is what's going on. What do you got? And John Williams will, of course, being who he is, make a masterpiece out of it. Matt, Jurassic Park, like the score, is my all-time favorite score. And I'm not a big score soundtrack person. But that's that's probably one of the most recognizable scores. It's probably one of the most recognized scores of all time, Ryan. It's it's fantastic. I love it. It's like Jaws, man. Yeah, but see, even with Jaws, and as much as I'm a Jaws fan, I mean, I've got the movie poster out there, like, Mm -hmm. that I got from somebody we won't mention. But, uh... Jurassic Park, man, hands down, is like one of the best scores I've Agree. ever heard. Agree. Agree. See, and I think he he will. Do you did you know uh, he uh, handpicked Alvin Silvestri to do the movie uh, music for Ready Player One before he Alvin Silvestri didn't even have to bring anything. He knew because Alvin Silvestri in the eighties was a huge impact on like oh, yeah. Back to the Future and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like think about the theme for Back to the Future. Holy crap! Oh. Yeah. Like, like he knew it's something that's and he even incorporated Back to the Future music in Ready Player One. Yeah. He already knew that before he even heard anything he brought to the table. Right. So it's stuff like that that just man, like I just know when he comes out with a new movie, I'm gonna have some new music to listen to as well. Not only see a mo- movie, but having some new music that I can enjoy and add to my soundtrack playlist. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw on. I'm gonna throw another movie out there and and get y'all's opinion because this this Spielberg movie um, was one that um, when I saw the preview I was really excited about, but then when I saw it I was kind of let down. And I'm not gonna dog it, you know. It's, I'm not gonna say it's pure garbage, but it just it kind of let me down. That was Bridge of Spies. Um, I never. I, I didn't. It just it kind of let me down. Um, I, I like that. Movie. Well, Jim, oh, I love that movie. One in this podcast who has actually met Steven Spielberg um, at the Bridge of Spies premiere, um, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I just didn't, I didn't care for it. I mean, it's, I mean, it was okay, but it was, it didn't. And, and Scorsese, I'm just, I'm just saying. It just didn't, you're wrong. it just didn't do it. It just didn't do anything for me. I didn't like it. See, I think Bridge of Spies was like watching an old noir film. Like you were just looking at all like the the background stuff, you know. It's, it's so to me, it's like that. I mean, everything, everything you need to know about that movie is in the title. Everything is there. It is a spy movie. It is a uh, behind love, the scenes espionage. I love that type of stuff. That stuff, 
I, I'm drawn to that type of storyline. That's why I was so excited about it. But then I, locked, I watched the execution, and I was just like, really? Okay. I think a lot of people went into it expecting something much bigger and flashier when really it was inspired and based on real events that actually happened. And that's where a lot of people got thrown off. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if you look at the main poster, it kind of looks like it could be an action type film, but it wasn't. It was strictly behind the scenes. And I love movies like that. I, that, that make, it makes you think about the spy stuff on a more cerebral level, right. which is why like another example is when you think of, like submarine movies. A lot of people are like, when you hear submarine movies, the first movie you think of is like Crimson Tide. All that. Time for Red October. I'm a Hunt for Red October fan. I watched that. U571. Now, see, that's that's a lot of fast-paced action. If you watch, if you compare that to Hunt for Red October, they're like two totally different films. Mm. Hunt for Red October is Hunt very Red slow October. Paced. No, Hunt for Red October had a lot of action in it. Yeah, but most of the action took place in the last 10 to 15 minutes. A lot of it was simply talking about what they were going to try to do when they get to America. And then, you know, oh, there's a submarine. We're going to you know, move around. And then what's going on behind the scenes with the government and stuff? U-571 was all right there in the moment. Like the second True. it started, it was a ride. It was a, it was a gas pedal end. movie. It was a gas yeah, pedal movie. Greyhound, <clears throat> you need to see that movie. Yeah. It is so one. good. I never saw Bridge of Spies. I never saw also what was the one that he did about the uh, the Olympics. Uh, Munich, uh, Munich. Munich. Yeah, was Munich. that any good? Did anybody? I mean, I've Munich. sadly never seen that. Okay, Munich was good, but it, it yeah, to I me it was, it, same, it was the same. Like uh, like you're getting a lot of uh, the behind the scenes and not the the main part of the story. You're looking at like a behind the scenes, and you know, take looking at it this one character's perspective. I'm trying not to give too much away. Okay. If you don't, y'all all know what the Munich thing is, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, I know yeah. what the yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it, but it takes this one character, and it's this it's his eyes view on these situations. Okay. You know, so it's it, 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 it's it's to me it's it was really good. I'm not a big Eric Bana fan though. Um, yeah, I mean, he was good in Troy, but uh, I mean that was I think Troy's probably his best film. But he's uh, the best Hulk ever, man. No, he's not. Shut <laughs> up. No, shut your not. dirty I'm, mouth. I'm shut your, shut mouth. your dirty mouth. Hey, he's the only Shame. one to wear the purple pants. Shame. I, 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 Shame. I like the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> you can kiss the darkest part of my. <laughs> 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 that Hulk is so bad. It's so bad. I just hated that it was more of an. It was the entire movie was an escape movie. That's that's all it was. It was poorly written. I think it could have been better. But at that time, that CGI was great. I thought Eric Banner did a great, uh, you know, Eric ba- or you know Banner. Yeah, so Bruce it Banner. was like uh, to me, I enjoyed it. I just I hated that the entire movie. It was just a flea movie, you know, fleeing movie, but. Other than that, I didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't the greatest. Out of all the Hulks, it wasn't the greatest. But I didn't well, think I'm bad. not going to crap all over it. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, Brian came out. It's the greatest. Of- no. no. no, no. Not- I, 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 I was just kidding. Brian, what's the sarcasm sign? You should have held up the sarcasm <laughs> You have sign. to hold the sign. Oh, thank See, you. See, I think Troy ruined er- I, we're, we're getting off topic. I'm gonna, I'm I know, I know, I know. We, it's yeah, easy. We could do that rabbit forever. holes. Rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, okay, okay, okay. BFG. I I've love it. it. But this oh, was one of the first movies we've read. Seen the book it. Yes. Before yes. seeing the movie. Yes. 
me and Steele, before the movie even came out, we heard yes. this movie was coming out because this was a passion project for Steven Spielberg. Yes. Because Steven Spielberg had a little thing about BFG because he said when he read this book so long ago, he went to one day when the technology was right to make this movie. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that, I went and bought the book, and me and Steele, this was our nighttime book a long time ago. Uh, was our night by Ronald Dahl, right? Well, I you know yeah, I think so. I that's think you're right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, he's the same one that did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? I'll see, and I love yeah. Willy. Wonka. Yeah. yeah, okay. Sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> not good. Uh, no, but this was like this is one of the first books I've read before seeing the movie. And, like, when I saw the movie, it was really true to a lot of that book. I mean, some of the things, you know, you can't do, just like Ready Player One. You got, got to stay within budget in Hollywood. But uh, but I I loved it. Now, I thought did it, you have that movie? BFG? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah I've never it. seen it. I'll need to watch it. I loved it, man. I've got I, it, too. I, really, I love it. Movie. I love that movie. I own it. I own it and have not seen it yet. That's so sad. Wow. Watch. Watch. I know. Oh my God. If you're looking for a great afternoon movie, dude. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Before you watch it, watch Steven Spielberg. He has a special interview. It's on YouTube. Just put in BFG YouTube, uh, Steven Spielberg interview, watch that interview first and then watch the movie because BFG was one of his first passion projects. Like he talks about how, since the beginning of his career, he was leading up to eventually one day making BFG. Like okay. it's it's really cool. It'll make you appreciate the movie even more. So anything else? Anything? Uh, highs, lows? Well, I mean, you know, I, I want to go down a rabbit, another rabbit hole because based on your favorite movie, Matt. Uh, because I don't know that we'll have a whole episode on him. Uh, but a, a little rabbit hole I want to go down. And one of the things, I, Ready Player One is one of the best movies to come out in a long time. I, I love I love Ready Player One. It's fantastic. And it's it's one of those stories that I was able to, I watched the movie first, then I read the book. Yeah. And then I fell in love with the author of said book, Ernest Cline. <laughs> And then I went. Fun. Then I went and read his second book, or, or his first or second. I can't remember. It's Armada. Uh, his second. His second book. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Is I mean, there's there's just a little little new. There's some uh, nuanced differences, obviously, between the two. But I, but I mean, it's just one of those stories where I love both. They're f- so fantastic. Oh, and they're so different. Yeah, like Steven Spielberg for the movie had to stay in a budget and he knew that uh, reading this book so a lot of things had to change a lot of people don't understand that for some movies i'm with ready player one i understand more why things have to change in movies yeah oh yeah it's understand why people get upset when they read a book and then they see the movie and they're Mm. like oh it's not like the book i get it I get it because the book is so like, let me tell you, if they could make ready player one, like the book, it would be a four hour movie. There would be a lot of stuff that really doesn't need to be in the right. And it would cost a trillion dollars. Oh yeah. I understand the direction they had to go. Okay. So when we get to, we get, when we get the chance to finally have our Harry Potter episode and talking about the difference between the books and the movies, pack a lunch. That's going to be about a five hour episode. Anyway, um, I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, but 
this is a story, and there's a lot of movies and books that you can you can argue why did you not include and didn't include. But just like to your point, Matt, when you read the book and you watch this movie, you under it's a total understanding of why they did what they did in the movies, and it's this movies were still made. I, in my opinion, they were perfect. I, I thought the movie was perfect. I thought the oh, book was yeah. perfect. It was great. Yeah. I I one hundred. I can't wait. November twenty fourth, Ready Player Two comes out. Yes, already pre ordered. Yeah, I pre ordered two. Or uh, uh, Ryan pre ordered me one, and I pre ordered the. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm I'm gonna read the one Ryan got me uh, for my birthday, and uh, I'm gonna frame the signature one. You know, Matt. I remember us going to see Ready Player One, you know, the one time I saw it compared to the how many times you've probably watched it in your life. Oh, and uh, Ten times. Whenever Matt was bringing it up, I was like, yeah, I'll go. I was like, I don't know, but my type of movie. I had so much fun watching that movie. Like, it was just a lot of fun just to sit there. And I think that's the first movie in a long time where I was really just engaged with yeah. the screen and just how yeah. it was. Yeah. It was such a great movie. So good. Not only was it eye candy, like you could take a child to see this, and he was just ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. but man, the story was so good, and it was so nostalgic, and it plays to my passion for video games, yeah. and like why I play video games. And I'm and the, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was there. Um, I, I hate the fact that you know, hey, my son coming out of nowhere. Um, uh. <laughs> Um, I hate the fact that our other cohort in our in our group is not here today, Ashley, to talk about um, this topic, but because she has a widely different differing opinion on this oh, subject yeah. matter. Um, <laughs> but for me, I, I can't get enough of Will Wheaton reading audiobooks. Oh yeah, listen, yeah. listening. I do not like him. I cannot stand love it. I think he was I fantastic. I think he was fantastic. Reading the audiobook. You don't like Wesley Crusher reading. I cannot stand it. I I love his sultry voice. (laughs) (laughs) I love his tone as he gives to the characters. Yeah, man. I don't know. I I, I loved it. I just can't. I just did not like it. Brian, your opinion doesn't matter. Hey. Sorry, I didn't mean that. (laughs) I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That's all I got. No, Uh, I mean, the the movie. The movie itself, the one thing I love about Ready Player One is you have to see it multiple times because, one, when you start seeing characters in the movie, you're like, oh, okay, oh, hey, there's Battletoads. Oh, my God, there's the joke. Oh, the story's going on. Hold on. Uh, uh, Harley Quinn, dead. I mean, you're just, like, trying to pick out every— It's Chucky! It's Chucky! (laughs) I mean, it's just like the—you've never really had—I don't want to say—okay. I'm not comparing it to Endgame, but it had an Endgame type moment where you're just like, oh my God, like when yeah. he does the battle and all yes. they're all coming and you see all these characters from your past, the nostalgia. I mean, it's it's just like when you when I saw Endgame and they're the entire, they all oh. come together to fight Thanos. It's just yeah. one of those moments. It is. You know what I loved about that part, man, was not only did they show you what was happening in the game, but they went to the real world where half <laughs> of the people were running down the streets. yeah yeah you know but they're in their world like i I love that representation that's 
I mean, there, there's just no way. When I was reading Ready Player One, I read it before I saw the movie. And I remember reading it, but I knew it was going to be a movie, which is one of the reasons why I read it. And so many people told me, said, hey, you got to read this book. And so when I'm reading it, I'm like, how are they going to make this interesting in a movie? Mm-hmm. Like the first, the first key, the copper key. I'm just like the way that they get it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but uh, the way they get it is, I'm like, you, there's just no way you turn this yeah. into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just doesn't translate well. Yeah. But I, I'm with you, Matt. I agree. Now I reading that book and seeing this movie, I now understand. Go, oh, okay, yeah. There's no way this book is awesome, and so the movie is awesome. There's no way that this 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 has to translate different in Hollywood. Yeah, like, which I'm glad, I'm glad they kept Ernest Klein as a screenwriter for the movie. Yeah, so Spielberg brought Klein in and said, "Hey, these are the changes we're gonna make." Yeah, are I mean, you cool? I mean, and Klein's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is a good take on." There's a few things like the I Rock thing, what they did in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Klein wishes he would have done more of that in the book. Mm. made iraq more of a bigger character in the book yeah I, yeah man like that was that was one take on it and there i'm not going to give anything away for anybody who hasn't read the book but there's a part with my favorite movie war games in the book oh, and there's yeah. no way in no way you could put that part in the movie it no. would just it would cost a trillion dollars there's just no way that's what i was about to say i was like there's i mean un, un, until the day comes when hollywood is comfortable with five six seven hundred million dollar budgets yeah. uh, to make movies uh, and that's never going to happen i mean we spend they spend millions of dollars on movies but it has to be in the realm of reality where they know they're going to at least right. double or triple their their budget in the you know in the box office so until that day comes and they're cool with you know, losing money in the theater and, and understanding that they're going to make all their money long term with digital downloads and DVD sales and Blu-ray and blah blah blah, uh, and merch merchandising merchandising A merch. Uh, but until that day comes, yeah, it's you're going to have to cut that stuff down. All right. So before we end it, I, I want to mm-hmm. ask, and if you need a minute, it's fine. I want to ask, what kind of movie? Do you want to see Spielberg direct in the future? Is there a biopic you want to see that still that you want Spielberg, not not any other director? You want Spielberg's touch? Do you want a sci-fi? Do you want an action adventure? Is there a book that you read that you want Spielberg to do? <laughs> Ready Player Two. Well, no, we are, that's a given. He's already done one. He better do two. I I. I would personally love. I, I just I don't know. I, I guess because the of the connection with George, but I would really like to see Spielberg take, have a huge hand in the, the next wave of star Wars films. I was just about to say that I would like to see a, a, a Spielberg star Wars film because he was supposed to do episode one. Yeah. And George screwed him out of that. Yeah. And they, they had a, they had a fight for a while, but George said when he does episode one, he that Spielberg was to direct it. And then he totally like, did a 360 on it so yeah. i would like to see a spielberg star wars film yep okay okay how about y'all anything that uh, jumps out biopic fantasy yeah. come on you brian you don't even I have would, to uh, i would really like to see a yoda star wars by spielberg i think that would be awesome and another one would be, be a combination huh i think he'd be the best to do a yoda yeah i think that would be awesome <laughs> 
like a priest, you know, like a, I'd really like to see like a section of movies on that because he's so old and he's got so much story. Did, did you have something to say, Jim? Oh, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. I got, I've got another coming. The second one, it's really a dream kind of thing, but a mixture of Goonies and Jaws. <laughs> Goonies right. and Jaws. Hmm. So like a collaboration? Yeah. Like a, <laughs> Sloth like a, love Jaws. <laughs> thinking more of like the kids versus a shark kind of thing, but a little All bit right. more. Wow, that sounds right up Shannon Keller's alley. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Brian. If you if you collaborate Goonies with Jaws, mm-hmm. does one of the characters die? Or does more than one of the characters die? Well, one of them they all have to survive. Somebody has to die. At least the shark has to die, probably. All or right. not, because then, then you get a sequel. All right. That's very unique, man. What man. about uh, what about uh, going into the history books and bringing out a story similar to like Braveheart, like some a, a polarizing character from history that the world may not be aware of currently? I, I'd like I might like to see him take oh, a, yeah. take a stab at that. I, I I see. Okay, see right there. Have any of y'all seen the old Patton movie? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, a long time it, yeah. ago. Best, I don't best picture. It's the so, best picture. Amazing movie, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's really long. Yeah, it's it's a long, it's a long movie. So, I it, saying that I would like to see an in depth personal journey of Patton, and not the just the war stuff, because he did so much stuff before he got to the four star general, whatever. I would like to see an in depth, but. I would like to see it cut down, kind of like Lincoln. Like, man, Lincoln did so much, mm-hmm. but there was only so much you could put in the movie. Right. So I would love to see something like that around Patton, General George Patton. Okay. Uh, like that. But my 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 top fun movie would be, I would love for him to come and do National Treasure 3. Just because oh, of his experience ooh, in the yeah. historical yeah. factor, I would love for him to come and do National Treasure 3. Because not only can he take who we have, which everybody is still alive, surprisingly, and and make the third National Treasure movie. I mean, that would be my dream See, project. I, I, I would not want him to do that. I would want, when it comes to a franchise like that one, I would want the same director to tackle it because the the charisma and the magic is still there. I think he would do a good job at doing National Treasure 3. See, and I disagree, man. Look at Ron Howard and what he did with Solo. He wasn't the original director, but he came and he made it Howard. Like, I bet you that movie would be completely different if Howard didn't do it. And I loved it because I could tell a lot of the camera angles and stuff that Howard did in Solo, I was like, this is totally a Ron Howard movie. So there is a lot that Steven Spielberg does with movies that I would like to see brought to National Treasure. That was not that great to me. I love the National Treasure movies, but there was a lot in National Treasure 2. I was like, man, they missed some opportunities. Or they missed something here that could have made it so much more better. But I think Steven Spielberg could take the third movie and make and end it amazingly while keeping true to the first two. Yeah. Personally, I guess I would. 
Uh, what about an ET2? Would you guys like to see ET2? Uh, no. 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 I, 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 commercial, I think, that's good enough. I, I think you don't touch. That's one you don't touch. That's one you don't touch. Yeah, that's one you don't touch. I totally agree. Can't do it. Yeah, give or take. I would watch I, it if we made it. But I have, I'm a, okay. I have a couple that I was thinking of, but I... I don't know. Part of me is so sick of sequels and remakes that I'm thinking I'm trying to think as original as possible. I like original films, original ideas, but I don't know. I, I, one, one biopic I would like to see him attempt. And I think it's one of those ones. A lot of people don't want to touch right now is a biopic on Robin Williams. I think oh. he would be able to do that very well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he just got to find the right person. He's, he's so ingrained with pop right. culture and Steven yeah. Spielberg defines pop culture that that sounds yeah. like it'd probably be a good a good fit. It's all that's one of those few instances where you can have the right director. But if you don't have the right casting, it will not work. It, I mean, it just will not work. Um, the other one I thought of was uh, it's more of an original idea. It's I shouldn't even admit it. It's something I've actually worked on here and there with a screenplay. It's a. Something where you take uh, stories like Ready Player One meets Lost, the show Lost, where it's about characters, it's about people who basically are, they just kind of wake up one day and they're trying to do their normal lives and stuff. And then they realize somewhere along the way that they're actually characters being played in a video game. It's that they're actually being controlled by other people, but it had to be in a way where it's, it's not like all flash like that, uh, what was that one movie with uh, what's his name? The, the Gamer movie, which I did not like, by the uh, way. Uh, Butler. Isn't there yeah. one coming out with Ryan Reynolds where he's going to be like an NPC yeah, that realizes he's an guy. NPC? Yeah, there was something like that. And I hate that it's going to sound really bad. I thought about that idea like 15 years ago and I never did anything with it. And now it's being made. And I'm like, son of a. What about, <laughs> a, uh, what about a musical biopic about uh, Louis B. Armstrong? That'd be good. That'd be a good one. I mean, or you BB think about, King. I mean, you think about how much music think means to Stephen, <clears throat> a musical biopic. I, I want to see West Side Story before I. Uh... Who did? Uh, I, I'm I'm blanking here. Who who did Ray? Who directed Ray? I don't uh, remember. Oh God, it's right there. Well, Did-D-S. whoever whoever directed. I would love to see do Louis B. Armstrong because yeah. holy cow. That when you said Louis B. Armstrong, I was like, whoever did Ray needs to do that because oh my I, goodness. I tell you one thing I would like to see him do. Um he he's been really good at it with certain films, and the one that always comes to mind is Jaws. Taylor Hackford. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, thank you. Taylor Hackford, yeah. Um I would <clears> like to see him kind of dab a little bit more into a fear factor type. Something has to do more with fear uh, set up because with Jaws, when they made that movie, you know, it changed the way people, you know, it, I mean, the tagline is, you know, basically it, it makes you not want to go back in the water. Yeah. I think if he could find other things kind of in that same realm that makes us rethink the way we do things, um, I would love to see something like that. Okay. Because every time you think of original vision for that. His original vision for that was like a horror movie, right? But then, due to the limitations, it turned into more of a suspense movie. I would love to see him dab into the horror aspect of it, but he would have to do it. I'm sorry, horror films today really bug the crap out of me because it's all about blood and gore. I want a mystery. I want suspense, and I think he is very good at that. And I think if he could touch on that a little bit more, I think he could make a very well-made movie. Even 
if he had to remake anything, I would have him remake something closer to Alfred uh, to Hitchcock, Hitchcock type movies. Not you know. IMDb or. lists Taylor Hackford as the director of Ray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we already said that, Jim. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> what if uh, this just popped in my head? What if they did a movie that was in junction with the JFK movie? But it's called John F. Kennedy, and it's the outside or uh, inside looking out. See, like John F. Kennedy is the outside okay. looking in. Okay. Outside? So no, no, so no. Take a deep breath, bro. Take no, a deep breath. I, okay. no, 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 no. Hold on, let, let, let him finish. Let him finish. Go ahead. Do it. Because I know JFK is one of your favorite movies of all time. It is. JFK. It's not just that. It's but go ahead. Movie, but it's the outside looking in. We don't get a whole lot of the inside detail. What if there was an uh, aspect type movie? This is Steven Spielberg's aspect of John F. Kennedy's side, like what John F. Kennedy is doing that leads up all the way to his death in that car or, you know, getting shot. He didn't die in the car, but he died later. But so you're seeing all the stuff that leads up all his decisions, some of the decisions that allegedly led to the side. Yeah, like that 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 John that JFK showed because it showed JFK is showing you a lot of reasons why he could have been and or who could have been or sorry who could have killed him, but you see John F Kennedy's side and the things he's done for America that then leads to that part. So or it, or it could be its own thing and just show John F Kennedy's leading up to. So JFK, one of my favorite movies of all time. JFK, as a human being, is one of my favorite subject matters in general. Um, book, film, whatever. Independent film. I, I mean, I, I still have not consumed everything out there because there's so much. And that was the point I was going to make. JFK, as a subject matter, has been so done, it's overdone. And from an entertainment standpoint. And I'm talking book, film, independent film, whatever you want to talk about. It's just in, from a, a documentary. I mean, there's like a bajillion documentaries out there, and I, I have not been able... I have consumed, at minimum, I have consumed probably about 30 documentaries on JFK, and I haven't even scratched the surface yet. It is a subject matter that is so overdone, that is why you will probably likely never see that come to light. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing against doing it. What I'm saying is... That's likely going to be the reason you'll never see that happen. But it's only overdone to you because I haven't seen a third of what you're talking about. But I've it's only out there. It's already out there. And, and yeah, but yeah. will the JFK family want a movie like that that might trash him? No, they you won't. Have to go, I don't think they would. They won't. Look for, you have to go look for that kind of stuff. So people like me who have I've only seen JFK. What what movie that's come out in theaters is directed like how I just said? Like a biopic of JFK. What what about, I'm, I'm not 13 denying. Days. Thirteen Days is a fantastic movie. But I love that movie. About the Cuban Missile Crisis. It is. That it's was only about the Cuban Missile. He's talking about a movie that follows him from you know, I guess, the well, start of his career on through his death. But what I was going to say was, I think it's a wonderful idea that that it's out there for anyone to grasp if they're willing to take it on. But the thing is. What you're saying is you're talking also about things that are happening behind the scenes that no one knows about. You'd have to 
the amount of research and files you'd have to put together just to bring that to light, the conversations that were happening and stuff. These are things that are so secret that you can't get to them anyway. Yeah. So if someone were to actually try to make it, I think it's a wonderful idea, but you have to, there is going to come a moment in the motion in the movie where you're going to have to just put away your uh, belief in things. You're going to have to suspend you know, disbelief and stuff. So, because so at some point, they're to be that, to that point, to that point, Oliver Stone found so much information, but so much information was purposefully kept from him because it is yes. secured and locked away by our government. And we won't have access to it, I think, until 2035, 2045, something like that. Um, and even then, and, they, keep pushing it and they just keep pushing it out and pushing it out. And it, there's reasons why they don't want that information out there. And so when Oliver Stone made JFK, he used a lot of real information, but he also took a lot of liberties in making yeah. that movie with his opinions based on what he had learned while making the movie. That's um, but uh, he made he made a lot of assumptions about Jack Ruby. He he presented a lot of fact, but he also presented a lot of what ifs. What if Jack did this? What if Jack did that? Yeah. So, um, so it's just well, hold on, right there. What you said, I think in that aspect, Matt's idea is actually very good. The the what if factor. If you wanted yeah. to make a movie with the what if factor, yes, I think the the what's going to happen is if someone tries to make that type of movie, the what if factor is going to backfire, and you're going to get hit with all kinds of uh, public, you know, uh, opinions and a lot of people, yeah, a lot, a of, lot scrutiny. of scrutiny. And I think that's the reason why someone won't, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think it's a wonderful idea, but I think the scrutiny is why some people won't touch it. If that makes sense. Hey, if Dan Brown did it and they have three <laughs> wonderful movies and he didn't give a crap what the public thought and they were very pop, it's a very popular trilogy. He yeah. went against and he did his, what if, he even says, I mean, he's got a lot of research. He is a research mm -hmm. group. Yeah. But he I, did those books and made movies because I, of the what if factor. I'm not arguing against it. I'm not saying I don't want it. What I'm saying is, is, and I'm not saying, well, I'm, I'm not saying you'll never see it. I'm saying you'll, my opinion is we likely won't ever see that movie done the way that you are you're stating it just because of so many contributing factors and i know you are not aware of all this entertainment out there but hollywood is aware of it and and, and so um just because of that factor and the fact that jfk is so overdone from a hollywood perspective i, th I don't think they'll touch it just for that reason but if somebody were to try to dial into it then they're going to hit all these other roadblocks that will further prevent it. And that's that those are just my two opinions why I don't think we'll ever see Boom, it. Boom, a rabbit hole. I know it's Boom. a rabbit hole. Well, I, what I was gonna say was um to help close it out is Matt, I think that movie can and probably will get made. I don't think in today's world and climate it's gonna happen anytime soon. I agree with Jim on this. I think if you ever see a movie like that get made, it'll be either right before or right around or right after the time we finally get files released to us and the public knows what's going on. Yeah, when that happens, in the future. then you will see it happen. You will see it happen. You'll see it in detail because someone's going to jump on that. They're going to go with it with guns blazing, not hold back anything, and they're going to basically say whoever whoever's responsible for it, they're going to make that movie and give a big F you to them. Yeah. Because right yeah. now, especially in today's climate, 
you know, the biggest conspiracy that everyone talks about is did the government kill its own president? If that were to, if that was, let's say, for example, that was true. What if that was true? In today's climate, in today's world, if that was revealed, we'd have anarchy and it would be on a global scale. I think that because would any time. If that's revealed at any time. Yeah. I know, but I'm saying, and I agree, but I'm saying you need yeah. a more stabilized, you know, society first. And right now we're a little too divided for something like that to come out. So, of course, they're going to keep burying that. But I love the idea. I think it should be made like that. I think it'd be a great way to do it. like to get made. You know, guys, I'm glad y'all asked what movies I would like to <laughs> Go ahead. Ryan, I forgot come on, Ryan. Come on. Go ahead, Ryan. So I'm just going to say... You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I wish I did it. I wish I did it to you so I could say payback, but I didn't, and I wish I did. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Go it. Go for it. Rat Pack movie or the Challenger explosion? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Challenger. Both of those would be good. But if you do Challenger, that's the same thing. There's a lot of hidden documents about yeah. the Challenger because the government doesn't want you to know it was a rush project. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Uh, new documentary on Netflix. All that stuff has yeah. been released to the public now. It's all out there. Uh, the, 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 there's that Watch the new Challenger documentary on Netflix. All that stuff that. has now been made public. So that movie could be done now. See, and I don't, I don't think you need... Uh, I, never mind. You were saying another Ryan? documentary just for is Robin's Wish because it is really good. Oh yeah, yeah, gonna, yes, yes. I need to watch that. that. I haven't seen it yet. That's oh, a documentary really on him. It's on yeah, Robin it's about what he actually died from. The yeah. Yeah. his had. last days. It's a documentary about his Ooh, final I days. I read his book really and it talks good. about it, but oh my god, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know the documentary was released already. Matt, shut up, Ryan's opened his mouth like five times. That's like those are the two that I want to see, or even whenever I was mentioning the astronauts, like Sally Ride. I'd like to see a movie about Sally Ride. You know, the first that that would be a good one. So I like biographies, so that's what I'm going with. I love it. I would go with that. I'd see that. Space, okay, what, about, what about a space camp redo? <laughs> 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 that would be good today, especially with the new technology and everything. Yeah. All right. So we're going to close it out. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us uh, on this discussion of the highs and lows of Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, if you, if you, if there's any movies that uh, you really love by Spielberg that we didn't mention, please put it in the comments. Uh, Josh, what? I was just I have two that we didn't mention. Empire of the Sun, starring Christian Bale as a very early child living uh, in a Japanese occupation camp, was phenomenal. And uh, War Horse was not mentioned, and I love that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a big movie. Yeah. And a big shout out also to him and Tom Hanks for producing uh, Band of Brothers and The Pacific. Oh, so oh, such man. a good series. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Band of Brothers, but uh, the Pacific, holy moly, the Pacific was, was so phenomenal. Oh my god! Uh, we want to we want to thank everybody for joining us. We want to thank Steven Spielberg for making our childhoods, you know, come to life. Yes, uh, even today, and like we, you know, we hope that you have at least ten more films in you before you retire. I know that he's what 70 something years old 
like I, it, it's going to break my heart the day he, he, you know, retires or steps away from movies. But uh, we, you know, get give it, you know, just keep knocking them out, Stephen. And we we appreciate everything you've done from us from the beginning to now. We look forward to everything that you direct or produce. Uh, you know, so in in the future, you know, if you if you are not a big or I haven't seen very many of Steven Spielberg's movies, you can literally go back to the beginning and you can find his movies stand the test of time. So go and have a Steven Spielberg marathon. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we got some big stuff in the future. Uh, we want to shout out to our cohort, Ashley. We hope you're feeling better. Absolutely. Uh, feel better. Yeah, yes. Feel better. Um, and everybody stay strong today. Uh, you're not alone. We know this pandemic's, uh, you know, brought some real craziness within this year. Uh, if you feel alone, reach out to the suicide hotline, or if you feel like you need somebody to talk to, you'll reach out to us. We will talk to you. We reply to everybody that messages us. Uh, you're not in this alone. We do this podcast for y'all. If there's something you want us to talk about, we would love for suggestions. We have some big shows coming. We have uh, some uh, big news coming and, uh, you know, that we're working on real hard and uh, can't wait to share with y'all in the future. But for now, we're going to say stay eclectic, everybody. See you, everybody.